Welcome to All Cats Are Gray in the Dark. I'm your host, April Simmons. This podcast contains true cases of graphic violent crimes and other stories of a dark nature. Please be advised that due to the subject matter and violent, sometimes sexual content and obscene language, this podcast is not for children or the faint of heart. Come And we're back! Yeah! <laughs> I don't it know. Was, that was a very. I, I don't want to. I I don't want to go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> Me either. So sad. So yeah, we're still work. talking about the hermit. Yeah. Yeah. Back to part two about the hermit. But yeah, I just I've been working through the whole thing. But I did actually mostly been taking it easy the past couple of days for New Year's. Sort of, but I've still done work <laughs> stuff in mixed in so I don't I guess I don't feel like I've had any time off it kind of sucks um but we've been trying this weekend to take it easier than normal yeah I mean we did projects and different things I've had a headache the past like three days so I haven't done as much but like reorganized my bedroom and cleaned it up and um got all the Christmas stuff out bought some Christmas organizer things to mm-hmm. properly put our Christmas stuff up now and nice for the I most part just <laughs> for the most part just uh kind of did what I wanted every day bought a bunch of crap <laughs> <laughs> and took me for a mani yeah mani- we got pedi. yeah we got mini patties yeah and mine's still looking fancy yeah same I need I would need to put a picture of that up on the on the feed for whoever gives mm-hmm. a crap which is probably nobody. Yeah. Bonna, go look at a picture of my manicure. She obviously hasn't caught up on the episodes because she didn't know I got her a Christmas present. So. Oh, Bonna. <laughs> Calling you out, Bonna. <laughs> That's fine. I know it takes a while sometimes. Yeah. And I'm li- like, now's the time to catch up because nobody else has episodes out, which is making me completely crazy because I listen to podcasts literally every day and none of the podcasts I listen to have new episodes. I'm like, <laughs> like yeah. Jesus. I've started listening to like trying to listen to other podcasts, but I'm so picky. So it's like, Oh, I'll like give another podcast a shot for like literally a few minutes and then I'm just like nah nope that's just how I am and probably how other people are and they're listening to us going nope this is already boring um (laughs) love you guys (laughs) and on that note (laughs) you want want me no I I did the last part yeah yeah so where we left it off was basically finally got to uh the hermit chris to talk a little bit he explained about the lack of eye contact i'm not used to seeing people's faces he said there's too much information there aren't you aware of it too much too fast i followed his cue and looked over his shoulder while he stared over mine we maintained this arrangement for most of the visit Chris had recently been given a mental health evaluation by Maine's forensic service. The report mentioned a possible diagnosis of Asperger's disorder, a form of autism often marked by exceptional intelligence, but extreme sensitivity to motion, sounds, and light. So that should tell you a lot of what you need to know right there. If he has these, obviously have, yeah, that or at least I'm on the spectrum. Let's put it that way. I don't know if it's necessarily Asperger's, but yeah. And my ex-husband yeah. most definitely had Asperger's. Yeah. Um, but that extreme sensitivity to motion, sounds, and light kind of explains everything that we've been hearing. We were hearing towards the end of that where he he's deteriorating mentally from being in the prison with all the sounds and ha- people constantly trying to talk to him. It all makes sense. Um 
So anyway, uh, Chris had just learned of Asperger's while in jail, and he seemed unfazed by the diagnosis. I don't think I'll be a spokesperson for the Asperger's telethon. Do they still do telethons? I hate Jerry Lewis. He said he was taking no medications, um, but I don't like people touching me, he added. You're not a hugger, are you? (laughs) I admitted that I do, at times, participate in embraces. Um, I'm glad this is between us, he said, indicating the glass. If there was a set of blinds here, I'd close them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's not funny, because I know this guy's being truthful, but I love how he words things. Just that, just what we've been given so far, these quotes from this guy are beautiful. Like, I don't know, he's despite being away from everything, his sense of irony and dark humor seems to be perfectly intact. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, There was a part of me that was perversely charmed by Chris. Ah, us too. He could seem prickly, and he is prickly, but this was merely a protective cover. He told me that since his capture, he'd often found himself emotionally overwhelmed at unexpected moments. Like TV commercials, he said, have made me teary. It's not a good thing in jail to have people see you crying. Everything, he said, seemed candid and blunt, unfiltered by the safety net of social niceties. I'm not sorry about being rude if it gets to the point quicker, he told me. That's fine, I said, though I expected to ask questions that might kindle his rudeness, but I started with a gentle one. What was your life like before you went into the forest? So here's where we start getting into this. Um, Before he slept in the woods for a quarter century straight, Chris never once spent a night in a tent. He was raised in the community of Albion, a 45-minute drive east of his camp. He has four older brothers and one younger sister. His father, who died in 2001, worked in a creamery. His mother, now in her 80s, still lives in the same house where Chris grew up, a modest two-story colonial on a wooded 50-acre plot. The family is extremely private and did not speak with me. Their next-door neighbor told me that in 14 years, he hasn't exchanged more than a word with Chris's mom. Mm. Sometimes he sees her getting the paper. Culturally, my family is old Yankee, Chris said. We're not emotionally bleeding all over each other. We're not touchy-feely. Stoicism is expected. So maybe this is where... Is Justin related to these people? Like, I'm really wondering here. No. (laughs) (laughs) Starting one or two. But no, um... Justin can definitely be stoic, but I yeah. feel like we've we've made advances there at least somewhat. Because uh, yeah. at far I was very um, admittedly worried about yeah. y'all in the beginning because he was so kind of emo- emotionally shut off from everybody. Yeah, and I know I know we were very. Um, it was off-putting because there were times where we even tried to have conversations with him and he walked off. And I don't know, I think you had stated that there were times where he didn't even know we were talking to him. But we were yeah. trying to, like, I think he's, he spent a lot of time in his life being ignored. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where that's built in. He doesn't, he didn't always realize people actually were including him because he wasn't used to being included, which is really depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. I, that's a lot of where... That but struggle, it, but it was from. very, it was very off-putting in the beginning, and and I was yeah. very well. I mean, I was honest with you about it. I'm not, yeah, I don't sugarcoat things, but I, I was just like, "What's going on here?" We've tried to talk to him, and he just like walks away and stuff. Like, yeah, when we, especially when we were living there and stuff, you would, like, I would be like, "Hey, blah 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 blah," and he just walks off, and I'm like, um okay yeah i think he just always assumed you needed you wanted to talk to me and not him so (laughs) like that's kind of how it is with him he just assumes people don't care about him that's not the case he was not allowing us to care about him (laughs) yeah i I mean he's gotten loads better yeah i mean like even just telling me his feelings and stuff like that um that's why we work a lot better is because he actually is open and honest like (laughs) unlike all the others and it's just it it took a while for him to understand i actually really wanted to know those things and it wasn't just bullshit (laughs) you know yeah um it just makes me wonder though about that family chris's family it talks about how they had never exchanged more than a word and stuff like that just makes me wonder like is his whole family 
uh, not just that way. Inbred. But, oh, oh well, could be that. But no, it makes me wonder if like maybe they all have some form of autism or yeah. something so, or possibly even something else that's undiagnosed, you know, like yeah. what, what's going on there. Anyway. Yeah. I guess I'll read from here. Uh, Chris insisted that he had a fine childhood. No complaints. He said, I had good parents. He shared vivid stories of moose hunting with his father. A couple of hunting trips. I slept in the back of the pickup, but never alone and never in a tent. After he'd disappeared, his family apparently didn't report him missing to the police. I find something wrong with that, too. Though they yeah. may have hired a private detective, no one uncovered a clue. Two of Chris's brothers, Joel and Tim, visited him in jail. I didn't recognize them, Chris admitted. My brothers supposed I was dead, said Chris, but never expressed this to my mom. They always wanted to give her hope. Maybe he's in Texas, they'd say. Or he's in the Rocky Mountains. Chris did not allow his mother to visit Look at me, I'm in prison clothes. That's not how I was raised. I couldn't face her. He said he had excellent grades in high school, though no friends, and graduated early. That sounds like me, except for I didn't graduate early, but I probably could have. Yeah. It's just, if I graduated early back then, I wouldn't have been able to move out, so what was the point? Um, Like, that kind of... That was the whole point to me, is just escaping, so I... If yeah. I couldn't move out, what was the point of graduating early? Um, yeah. Like two of his brothers, he enrolled in a nine-month electronics course at Sylvania Technical School in Waltham, Massachusetts. Then still in Waltham, he took a job installing home and vehicle alarm systems. Valuable knowledge to have once he started stealing. Wow. <laughs> okay. So this is part of why he was able to do it for so long. Yeah. He bought a new car, a white 1985 Subaru Bratz. Wow. Those are, I actually love Bratz. They're cute. Um, <laughs> his brother, Joel, co-signed the loan. I screwed him on that, Chris said. I still owe him. He worked less <laughs> than a year before he quit. He drove the Brat to Maine, went through his hometown without stopping. One last look around. And kept driving north. Soon he reached the he edge of Moosehead Lake, where Maine begins to truly get remote. Have you ever been to Moosehead Lake? I'm just curious now. I I don't know. I we there's so many lakes and rivers and stuff that I've been to up there, and I literally don't know. I think like Kennebec River is like the only one I really remember. Mm. Um, I was just curious because I knew I know y'all do a lot of hikes and stuff like that. Yeah. When you're up there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've been to Moosehead Lake. I'm like googling on the map. Um, although I think it might actually be somewhat near I'm trying to figure out where oh okay so that that's further yeah that's further north than where he ended up in the end i think okay i drove until i was nearly out of gas i took a small road then i took a small road off that small road then a trail off of that he parked the car placed the keys in the center console i had a backpack and minimal stuff i had no plans i had no map i didn't know where i was going i just walked away it was late summer of 1986. He had camped in one spot for a week or so, then hiked south following the natural geography of Maine with its long glacier-carved valleys. I lost track of where I was, and I didn't care. For a while, he tried foraging for food. He ate roadkill partridges. Then he began taking corn and potatoes from people's gardens. But I always wanted more than vegetables. It took a while to overcome my scruples. I was always scared when stealing, always. He insisted he never encountered anyone during a robbery. He made sure there was no car in the driveway, no sign of anyone inside. Usually 1 or 2 a.m., I'd go in, hit the cabinets, the refrigerator, in and out. My heart rate was soaring. It was not a comfortable act. I took no pleasure in it, none at all, and I wanted it over as quickly as possible. A single mistake he understood in the outside world would snatch him back. He roamed about for two years before discovering the campsite he would call home, he knew at once it was ideal. Then he said, I settled in. Whew. I think it's your turn. My, my voice yeah. is cracking a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of North Pond residents I spoke with found it hard to believe Knight's story. Many insisted that he either had help or spent the winters in unoccupied cabins. As the time allotted for our visit wound down, I challenged Chris myself. You must, I said, have had assistance at some time or slept in a cabin or used a bathroom. 
Chris's demeanor changed. It was the only time in our meeting that he held eye contact. Never once did I sleep inside, he said. He never used a shower or a toilet. He did admit to thawing meat in a microwave a few times during break-ins, but he endured every season entirely on his own. I'm a thief. I induced fear. People have a right to be angry, but I have not lied. I trusted him. I sensed, in fact, that Chris was practically incapable of lying. I wasn't alone in this thought. Diane Perkins Vance, the state trooper present at his arrest, told me that much of her job consisted of sorting through lies people fed her. With Chris, however, she had no doubts. Unequivocally, she said, I believe him. Before he hung up the phone, Chris added that if I could see where he lived and how he survived, I'd know for sure. It was my plan to find his camp. Afterward, I said, I'd like to return to the jail. Could we meet again? His, un his answer was unexpected. He said, yes. The Belgrade Lakes area where Knight lived is, a cow, is cow and horse rural, nothing like the vast north woods of Maine, wild and unpeopled. Knight's camp was located on private property just a few hundred feet from the nearest cabin in an area crisscrossed by dirt roads. When I saw Knight's Woods myself, I understood how he could remain there unnoticed. The tangle of hemlock and maple and elm is so dense the forest holds its own humidity. One step in and my glasses fogged. But when they made navigation truly treacherous were the boulders. Vehicle-sized glacier-born gifts from the last ice age scattered wildly and everywhere. I thrashed about for an hour wrenched a knee between two moss-slick rocks, then gave up and retreated to a road. Before Chris was jailed, he'd led Hughes and Perkins Vance to his camp. I knew roughly where it was located, but my second attempt was also a failure. There was no hint of a trail. Mosquitoes swarmed. Finally reduced to slogging in a grid-like pattern, I squeezed around a boulder, and there it was. My goodness, Chris has carved from the chaos a bedroom-sized clearing completely invisible from a few steps away. Situated on a slight rise that allowed enough breeze to keep the mosquitoes away, but not so much as to cause severe wind chill in winter. It was surrounded by a natural stone hinge of boulders. Overhead, tree branches linked to form a trellis-like canopy that masked his sight from the air. This is why Chris's skin was so pale. He lived in perpetual shade. I ended up staying there three nights, watching the rabbits by day, at night picking out a few stars behind the scrim of branches. It was as gorgeous and as peaceful a place as I have ever spent time. So yeah, like, I mean, after all that, it really was just kind of what he, he's been describing. <laughs> I just think that's amazing. Um, the police had dismantled much of his camp, but during my next visit with Chris and, and several after that, he described his living space in meticulous detail. Total, Chris and I met at the jail for nine hours. Wow. He slept in a simple camping tent, which he kept covered by several layers of brown tarps. Camouflage, he felt, was essential. He didn't want to risk anything shiny catching someone's eyes, so he spray-painted in foresty colors. His garbage bins and his coolers and his cooking pot. He even painted his clothespins green. The breadth of his thievery was impressive. He'd fled the modern world only to live off the fat of it. Inside his tent was a metal bed frame he'd removed from the pine tree camp. He had hauled it across the pond in a canoe. He didn't steal the canoe. He just barred one, as he often did from a lakeside cabin. There's a wide selection, <laughs> then returned it sprinkling pine needles inside to make it seem unused he also stole a box spring and mattress and sleeping bags so he's just living the life of luxury outside wow. <laughs> he stole toilet paper and hand sanitizer for his bathroom spot he took laundry detergent and shampoo for his wash area there was no fire pit as he'd insisted he cooked on a coleman two burner stove that he connected to propane tanks he stole a tremendous number of tanks pillaging gas grills along the 30-mile circumference of the pond. He never returned them. He buried the tanks, possibly hundreds of them, in his dump at the camp's edge. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Yeah, that is kind of funny. You want me to read? I can read for sure. if you want. Um, he stole deodorant, disposable razors, flashlights, snow boots, spices, mousetraps, spray paint, and electrical tape. He took pillows off beds. He kept three different types of thermometers, digital, mercury, spring-loaded, knowing the exact temperature was mandatory. He stole watches, 
he had to be sure while on a raid that he could return to camp before daybreak. Deeper into the forest, in his upper cache, as he called it, he'd stashed plastic totes filled with enough supplies, a tent, and a sleeping bag, some worn clothes, so that if he heard someone approach his camp, he could instantly abandon and start anew. He was committed. Ooh, that is crazy. Like, he had yeah. enough crap to just take that and leave. Yeah. Um, his diet was terrible. Cooking is too kind of a word for what I did, Chris told me. He had not been sick in the woods. His worst accident was a tumble on some ice, but his teeth were rotten, and no wonder. I dug through his 25 years of trash buried between boulders and kept inventory a five-pound tub that was once once held marshmallow fluff, (laughs) an empty box of devil dogs. I don't know what those are, but they're... they're Little Debbie snacks or something. Yeah, that's basically what they are. Peanut butter, Cheetos, honey, graham crackers. This sounds like a good time if you ask me. Um, Cool Whip, tuna fish, coffee, tater tots, pudding soda, El Monterey spicy jalapeno chimichangas, and on and on and on. Basically, the crap that people would keep at a vacation cabin is great. This sounds like my diet. (laughs) And or yours. Yeah. (laughs) Most of the time. But y'all, I'm, I learned how to make egg drop soup and I've been living off of that shit. Seriously. Because, I mean, it's actually keto. The egg drop soup's keto. It's basically just um, broth and eggs and spices. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's really, it's really simple. Um, but now that I've got the technique down of stirring it slowly in with a whisk, I'm making that crap a lot <laughs> it's yeah. great um he sold radios and earphones I almost said earphones earphones um earphones and hit an antenna up in trees for a while he listened <laughs> to a lot of conservative talk radio that Ew. sounds awful <laughs> i'm not gonna lie that sounds terrible i don't like hardly any talk radio except for like some coast to coast am or something later he got hooked on classical music tchaikovsky and brahms yes bach no bach is too pristine he said he went through a spell of listening to tv shows on the radio theater of the mind he called it everybody loves raymond was a favorite i really hate that show i don't know why james yeah james used to watch it and i'm like i don't get it i don't really don't because i've watched a few episodes here and there but like I'm just like I don't get it. It's not that funny to me. Um, now the dude that plays Raymond, um, God, Ray I, Romano. Yeah, Ray Romano. Uh, I actually liked his role in Parenthood. Parenthood. Yes, mm-hmm. he was really good in Parenthood. So it's not him. I just I don't know. I, the writing on that show was too dry for me. I guess. Yeah. Um, but his undying passion was classic rock. The Who, ACDC, Judas Priest, and above all, Leonard Skinner. We covered hundreds of topics while chatting in jail, and nothing received higher praise than Leonard Skinner. Wow, it just sounds like he should have just moved to the South. I mean, like, honestly, yeah. it sounds like a lot of people I know. There will be playing Leonard Skinner songs in a thousand years, he proclaimed. Dear God, I hope not. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I like some of that stuff, but Leonard Skinner's just not my fave. Um, yeah, same. It's like I can tolerate it. I don't, like I don't hate it, hate it, but I just I don't really like it either. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. just kinda, eh, we hear it so much here in the South. It's like an anthem, you know? <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. It's just no. Play some Skinner. Mm-hmm. Um, He also stole the occasional handheld video game. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay, now I'm seeing how he survived in the woods. Yeah. (laughs) He obviously was not bored. Yeah. Pokemon, Tetris, Dig Dug, but the majority of his free time was spent reading or observing the forest. Don't mistake me for some bird-watching PBS type, he warned. But then he proceeded to poetically describe the crunch of dry leaves underfoot, walking on cornflakes, and the rumble of an ice crack propagating across the pond like a bowling ball rolling down an alley. 
He sold hundreds of books over the years. His preference was military history. He named William Shirer's The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich as his favorite book. But he took whatever was available. Magazines were more common. When he finished them, he'd create bricks of magazines bound with electrical tape, bury them in the ground to level out his camp. (laughs) Okay. Beneath his tent were dozens of these bricks. I unearthed a stack of National Geographics with the dates still legible from 91 and 92. I also saw People, Cosmopolitan, Glamour, and Vanity Fair. There was even a collection of Playboys. One book Chris never stole was the Bible. I can't claim a belief system, he said. He celebrated no holidays. He meditated now and then but did not pray. With one exception, when the worst of a main winter struck, all rules were suspended. Once you get below negative 20, you purposefully don't think. That's when you. <laughs> that's when you do, reli- ha- do have religion. You do pray. You pray for warmth. Yeah, I was. I'm the same way. I'm not gonna lie. If I get into a really bad, if there's like a really bad storm with a tornado warning or something, it's like tornado yeah. headed your way. I'm like, I'm gonna pray. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Jesus, me sorry for being a shithead. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, we haven't talked in a while sweet baby jesus but um please help (laughs) anyway i think everybody does that i mean i I assume everybody does yeah yeah chris lived by the rhythms of the seasons but his thoughts were dominated by surviving winter preparations began at the end of each summer As the lakeside cabins were shutting down for the year, it was my busiest time. Harvest time. A very ancient instinct, though not usually associated with crime. (laughs) His first goal was to get fat. This was a life or death necessity. I gorged myself on sugar and alcohol. It was the quickest way to gain weight, and I liked the inebriation. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, this is so funny. That this is the way he survived winter, by getting fat. Mm Mm-hmm. The bottles he stole were signs of a man who'd never once, as, as he admitted, ordered a drink at a bar. Alan's coffee-flavored brandy, Seagram's escape strawberry daiquiri, <laughs> someone, something called whipped chocolate valley vines, fine chocolate whipped cream red wine. Now that sounds like something I would like. <laughs> yeah. Actually, all of the ones that he had were sounds like stuff I would probably drink. I don't yeah. like the fl- I don't want to taste alcohol in something like seriously. Yeah. As the evenings began to chill, he grew weird to the <laughs> ideal length, about an inch long enough to insulate his face, but short enough to prevent ice buildup. He intensified his thieving raids, stocking up on food and propane. The first snow usually came in November. Chris was always fearful about leaving a single boot print anyway, which is impossible to avoid in a blanket of snow. And so for the next six months until the spring thaw in April, he rarely strayed from his clearing in the woods. Whew. Hibernation. Um, I asked him if he just slept all the time. A human hibernation? Completely wrong, he replied. It's dangerous to sleep too long in the winter. When seriously frigid weather descended, he conditioned himself to fall asleep at 730 and get up at 2. That way, at the depth of the cold, I was awake. If he remained in bed any longer, condensation from his body would freeze his sleeping bag. If you try and sleep through that kind of cold, you might never wake up. So I guess he had the yeah. the technique down there. Yeah, it's crazy. You want to read some now? Yeah. The first thing he'd do at 2 a.m. was light his stove and start melting snow. To get his blood circulating, he paced the perimeter of his camp. His feet never seemed to fully thaw, but as long as he had a fresh pair of socks, this wasn't a problem. It's more important to be dry than warm, Chris said. By dawn, he'd have his day's water supply. Then if I had had food, I'd have a meal. And if he didn't have food, there were, he said, some very hard winters, desperate winters in which he ran out of propane and finished his food. The suffering was acute. Chris called it physical emotional and psychological pain he hinted to me there were times he contemplated suicide why not leave the woods chris said he thought about it he even kept a whistle at his camp if i blew on it in sequences of three help might come but he never used it rather he made a firm decision that unless forcibly removed he was going to spend the rest of his life behind the trees 
When he heard the song of the chickadees, he told me he could finally relax. That alerted me that winter is starting to lessen its grip, that the end is near, that spring is coming, and I'm still alive. The cold never got easier. All his winter camping expertise felt offset by advancing age. You should have seen me in my twitties, he boasted. I was lord of the woods. I ruled the land I walked upon. I was tough and clever. But over time, like an aging athlete, his body began to break down. The biggest issue was his eyesight. For the last ten years, anything beyond an arm's length was a blur. I used my ears more than my eyes. If he saw a pair of glasses during a break-in, he always tried them on, but was unable to find a better prescription his agility faded bruises took longer to heal and his teeth constantly hurt yeah i mean if he they were really that bad at that point i can only imagine how bad his teeth hurt Mm -hmm. the victims of his thefts after years of waiting for a police breakthrough eventually took matters into their own hands neil patterson whose family has owned a place on the pond for 50 years began hiding all night in his dark house with a 357 magnum in his hand I wanted to be the guy that caught the hermit, he said. He stayed up 14 nights one summer before he quit. (laughs) (laughs) Debbie Baker, whose young boys were terrified of the hermit, to quell their fears, the family renamed him the Hungry Man installed a surveillance camera in their cabin, and in 2002, they captured a photo of night. Police widely distributed the photo and figured an arrest was imminent. took 11 more years. After robbery in March of 2013 at the Pine Tree Camp, Sergeant Terry Hughes, who often volunteered there, contacted the Border Patrol for advice and had gone on long enough, said Hughes. He installed a motion detector. We already knew this. He installed a motion detector that sounded an alarm at his house and practiced dashing from his bed to the camp until he had it down under four minutes. Then Hughes waited for the hermit to return. Following his arrest, the court of public opinion was deeply divided. The man who wanted to live his life as invisibly as possible had become one of the most famous people in Maine. You could not walk into a bar in the Augusta area without stumbling into a debate about what should be done with Christopher Knight. Some said that he must immediately be released from jail. Stealing cheese and bacon are not serious crimes. The man was apparently never violent. He didn't carry a weapon. He is an introvert, not a criminal. He clearly has no desire to be a part of our world. Let's open a Kickstarter, get him enough cash for a few years worth of groceries and allow him to go back to the woods. Some people were willing to let him live on their land rent free. Wow. I mean, hey, if you got the land, why not? Uh, Others go out there and just leave him some food, right? Yeah. Others countered that it wasn't the physical items he robbed that made his crime so disturbing. He stole hundreds of people's peace of mind, their sense of security. How were they supposed to know Knight wasn't armed and dangerous? Even a single break-in can be punishable by a 10-year sentence. If Knight really wanted to live in the woods, he should have done so on public lands, hunting and fishing for food. He's nothing but a lazy man and a thief times a thousand lock him up in the state penitentiary. Okay, I I disagree with the lazy man part, but... I have been broken into and it does yeah. it does definitely rob your peace of mind because when my old house got broken into I there were months that I had trouble sleeping and stuff because I would just hear anything any little yeah. noise would make me think oh god they're going to break in and then they're going to murder us in our beds or something you know like yeah. I just, all the time so yeah. Just, Especially, didn't they steal guns from you guys? Yeah, they stole pretty much all of our guns. Yeah, um, and we pretty much knew who it was because there was no sign of forced entry. It was yeah. previous owners who lived nearby, so yeah. they still had the key, which we did end up changing it. But I have no idea if they ever came back in the house. But yeah, we even told the cops that we're like, "There's no, you know, no sign of forced entry." The we were told when we bought the house that you know that these neighbors over here are the previous owners. Cops didn't do anything. They didn't. I don't. As far as I know, they never even questioned them. Probably not. Um, and that's very disappointing. Yeah. Like we and we called immediately. So like, if they went over there, they might have even seen the freaking guns there. You know, like I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it makes me so mad. That kind of, that whole thing. Yeah. They didn't take us seriously either when like the, there was a, um, oh, what is the name of the, the yellow rental truck? 
uh, Pinsky. Yeah. There was a Pinsky truck that backed up to our house one day during the day and I was home alone and we had tons of cars. They had obviously cased the place because we had tons of cars and I guess they assumed that nobody was home. Yeah. Um, But our dog, who was normally nice to strangers, flipped out and they did not get out of the vehicle because Jack was barking (coughs) crazy and you met jack jack did not bark anybody um everybody was his best friend but yeah they they didn't get out of the vehicle because i guess jack scared them because he was so he was a large dog too and he was barking his head off and i was watching from inside and i called the cops but the cops took so long to get there that they finally i guess gave up because of the dog i like because i didn't want them to see me i was hiding you know um but I would peek out the window occasionally to see what was going on. But they eventually left and, and then the cops came there and took my statement and they had passed the freaking truck on the way. Mm. So if they had paid yeah. attention to what I said, they could have caught them. Or if they had, I don't know, been faster to get there or something. But they took yeah. their sweet time and they did not take it seriously at all. And I'm like, they were obviously fixing to rob us, you know? Like, yeah. they had even backed up, I mean, they backed up the truck to our garage. Yeah. You know? Like, some, I don't know. It just makes me so upset sometimes that burglary and theft is something that's just not taken seriously. Because a lot of times those are stepping stones to other stuff, you know, because yeah. break out. Cause if somebody breaks in and somebody's home, then a lot of it sometimes leads to people getting hurt, you know, like things yeah. like that. I just, I don't know. It just irks me that it's not taken seriously. One of those things that I've randomly just rambled about. We need to get going on this. episode. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it. I'm kind of torn and all that. I, I I, think he should be punished to some extent. Um, but, but at the same time, like, not super severe, severely, if that makes any sense. <clears throat> all right. On October 28th, 2013, Chris appeared in Kennebec County Superior Court and pleaded guilty to 13 counts of burglary and theft. He was sentenced to seven months in jail. He'd already served all but a week of this, waiting for his case to be resolved. The sentence was far more lenient than it could have been, though even the prosecutor said a long prison term seemed cruel in this case. Chris was ordered to meet with a judge every Monday and avoid alcohol and either find a job or go to school. If he violated these terms, he could be sent to prison for seven years. So it's basically kind of like a probation situation. Before his release, I met with Chris again. He said he'd be returning home to live with his mother. His beard was unruly. My crazy hermit beard, he called it. He was alarmingly skinny. He itched all over. We still didn't make much eye contact. I don't know your world, he said. Only my world and memories of the world before I went into the woods. What life is today? What is proper? I have to figure out how to live. He wished he could return to his camp. I miss the woods. But he knew by the rules of his release that this was impossible. Sitting here in jail, I don't like what I see in the society I'm about to enter. I don't think I'm going to fit in. It's too loud, too colorful. The lack of aesthetics, the crudeness, the inanities, the trivia. I told him I agreed with much of his assessment, but I wondered, what about your world? What insights did you glean from your time alone? I had been trying to ask him these questions every visit, but now I push the point harder. Anyone who reveals what he's learned, Chris told me, is not by his definition a true hermit. (laughs) Chris had come around on the idea of himself as a hermit and eventually embraced it. When I mentioned Thoreau, who spent two years at Walden, Chris dismissed him with a single world dilettante. True hermits, according to Chris, do not write books, do not have friends, and do not answer questions. I asked why. He didn't at least keep a journal in the woods. Chris scoffed. I expected to die out there. Who would read my journal? You? I'd rather take it to my grave. The only reason he was talking to me now, he said, is because he was locked in jail and needed practice interacting with others. (laughs) 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 This guy just happened to get really lucky. (laughs) 
Uh, but you have mu- you must have thought about things, I said, about your life, about the human condition. Chris became surprisingly introspective. I did examine myself, he said. Solitude did increase my perception, but here's the tricky thing. When I applied my increased perception to myself, I lost my identity. With no audience, no one to perform for, I was just there. There was no need to define myself. I became irrelevant. The moon was the minute, the minute hand, the seasons, the hour hand. I didn't even have a name. I never felt lonely. To put it romantically, I was completely free. That was nice, but still, I pressed on. There must have been some grand insight revealed to him in the wild. He returned to silence. Whether he was thinking or fuming or both, I couldn't tell. Though he did arrive at an answer, I felt like some great mystic was about to reveal the meaning of life. Get enough sleep. <laughs> He set his jaw in a way that conveyed he wouldn't be saying anymore. This is what he'd learned. I accepted it as truth. What I miss most, he eventually continued, is somewhere between quiet and solitude. What I miss most is stillness. He said he'd watched for years as a shelf mushroom grew on the trunk of a Douglas fir in his camp. I'd noticed the mushroom when I visited. It was enormous, and he asked me with evident concern if anyone had knocked it down. I assured him it was still there. In the height of the summer, he said, sometimes he'd sometimes sneak down to the lake at night. I'd stretch out in the water, float on my back, and look at the stars. At the very end of each of our visits, I'd always ask him the same question, an essential question, why did he disappear? He never had a sas- satisfying answer. I don't have a reason. I can't explain why. Give me more time to think about it. It's a mystery to me, too. Then he became annoyed. Why? That question bores me. But during our final visit, he was more reflective. Isn't everybody, he said, seeking the same thing in life? Aren't we all looking for contentment? He was never happy in his youth, not in high school, not with a job, not being around other people. Then he discovered his camp in the woods. I found a place where I was content, he said, his own perfect spot. The only place in the world he felt at peace. That was all he had to tell me. He'd grown weary of my visits. Please, he begged, leave me alone. We're not friends. I don't want to be your friend, he said. I don't want to be anyone's friend. I'm not going to miss you at all, he added. (laughs) I liked Chris a great deal. I liked the way his mind worked. I liked the lyricism of his language, but he was a true hermit. He could no longer disappear into the wilds, so he wished to melt away into the world. Goodbye, Chris, I said. A guard had appeared to escort him away, but there was time... For Chris to express the last thought. He did not. He hung up the phone. No wave. No nod. He stood, turned his back on me, and walked out of the visitor booth and down a corridor of the jail. <laughs> wow. And that's it. That's the story. He just literally was probably on the autism spectrum and hated everything. That's why he went into the woods. And he never really even specifies like that there was a plan. It's like he got a car and he just one day just drove off and was like, hmm, I think I'll camp here. You know, it's like there just doesn't seem like there was even that much thought put into it. He just ended up there. <laughs> like, yeah, that's how I took it anyway. If there wasn't, yeah. he didn't really say. Yeah, um, he just drove until he kitten and then just started walking. Yeah. And then was like, hmm, I like it here. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So this actually has been turned into a book, too. So I don't know if he expands on everything, but it's called The Stranger in the Woods A Meditation on Solitude, Wildness, and Survival. And it's by Michael Finkel, the same guy that wrote this article. Wow. I'm going to add that to the, sh- the recommends. Just, I might read it myself. I'm not sure. If I ever get a subscription again, because I'm too cheap to buy, like, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I have an iPad that I read on occasionally, but I'm too cheap to buy um, digital books. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, they're. I, it's like, I go to buy them and then I'm like, they're just as expensive as a real book, so I'd rather just buy the real book. Like, I don't. Yeah. Well, I won't say how we get our ebooks or anything. Well, tell me on the sly then, because <laughs> I need more books. I mean, we I think I did try like the Kindle Unlimited before. Yeah, I did. But it I've just done wasn't that. enough. Like, you only get one book. I'm like, yeah, I can read a book in a week. 
get out of here. That's oh, but they a... give you access to all the like indie books and stuff yeah. like that. And I actually do get money if somebody reads mine. Um, nice. Uh, it's that's not. I mean, it's like next to nothing, but still, yeah. I get like pennies for that. Um, but it just in case I never, I rarely ever mention this, but in case anybody out there is listening and wants to read my book, it's on Amazon, April Simmons, the songstress, it's vampire romance with a lesbian vampire. And yeah, uh, yeah. you can read that on there. And I have a recipe book on there too. I always forget about the recipe book though. Cause I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, cheap and easy. Yeah, oh yeah. Because that's how my cooking is, cheap and easy. Um, and, you know, it's like it, people always write fancy cookbooks, and I was like, I want the opposite of that. I want a <laughs> not fancy cookbook. Because um, that's just how I feel, is I'm not a fancy cook. Mm. I'm not. I'm not chef material. But I can tell you how to cook some cheap stuff that people will like, you know. Um, but anyway, do you have any recommends before we? Uh... The Harry Potter special. Oh, yeah. I'll add that to the list. And I was going to recommend. I Oculus. cried. Oh yeah, Oculus and booze. Um, yeah. I recommends because that's what I did actually did for New Year's Eve is we drank and then played Oculus, which could be dangerous if you drink too much. Probably, I watched the Andrew Garfield Spider Man's <laughs> for New Year's because I had never seen them. And we've been watching the new season of Queer Eye, and we watched the first episode of Boba Fett. Uh, let's see what else. What else? What else? Oh, we just started the new season of Letter Kenny too nice woo all right time for the alternate endings yeah so tune out if you're not interested today's list is manufactured bands but you know bands that were kind of artificially put together like boy bands and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's my turn to go first right yeah number five millie vanilli nice i don't care that they lip synced because the music was great regardless. Um, and I do want to point out that everything that I've read says that they could actually sing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the execs thought that their voices didn't actually match what they looked like. Yeah. And they thought it would be more marketable to just get someone else to sing. So there you go. Um, and it's tragic that didn't one of them one of them committed suicide, didn't he? Yeah, I think I so. Which one? But um, it's just a really all around sad story. But I that I had that album on cassette, and I wore that sucker out. <laughs> so great. Anyway, what's your number five? The monkeys. Yeah, our mom loved the monkeys. I used to watch the show on Nick at Night. Yeah, that was a great, great thing. And their music, still great. Um, my number four, the monkeys. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess I number, don't need to say anything else. Number yeah. three. <laughs> number four, NKOTB. Okay, cool. New cool. kids on the block for those uneducated swine out there in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, and my number three is Spice Girls. <laughs> yeah. What's number your... th- number yeah. three for me is In Sync. Nice. Um, number two, Backstreet Boys. Number two for me is Spice Girls. And number okay. one for me is NKTOB. Anybody that knows me should already know that. Yeah. What do you think my number one is? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Backstreet? Did you already say Backstreet? No. I'm going to guess Backstreet then because I don't know. No. It's uh, <laughs> Wonder Egg. S Club 7. 
No. Oh shit. I didn't even think about S Club Seven. That's a good one. That's an honorable mention. But yeah, I put One Direction simply because I love Harry Styles so much, okay. and I got Harry yeah, Styles out of it. Yeah, I love Harry Styles so much. Shout out Tracy, who I also made love Harry Styles way too much. Look, he's less than ten years younger than me, so I find that acceptable. Okay. Um, yeah, I think he. I think he's like twenty. I actually love Harry Styles too. But I didn't really pay that much attention to One Direction. Honestly, I mean, they, their music, I didn't know a lot of it. A lot of the ones that I tended to lean towards that I'm like, oh, I don't hate this. Like night changes and like drag me down. I think they were all the ones that Harry wrote. <laughs> so um, yeah. I just love Harry Styles basically. So, um, oh my God. Yeah. But I have to say if we, next time we come over, I need to bring Oculus Sign of the Times is so freaking fun on Beat Saber. Anyway, nice. <laughs> that's one of the yeah, first he's, ones he's I did. Awesome. And I'm glad he's doing his thing. Yeah, S Club 7 and Backstreet Boys would be honorable mentions. I put <laughs> I put NSYNC because you mentioned it and I kind of forgot about them, honestly. Yeah. That's terrible. Ain't no party like an S Club party. Um, and my other honorable mention is Sex Pistols. I don't know how accurate it is, but I'd always heard that they were kind of a put-together band by the guy that was, like, running, like, an S&M shop, like, that had, you know, that kind of punk yeah. clothing or whatever, and they were kind of put together from that. So <laughs> I don't know how completely accurate that is, but I put them on the list as an honorable mention anyway. Sex nice. Pistols. All right. And on that note, I'm out of here. I guess I got half a sandwich to eat and couches to sit on. <laughs> I've got leftover egg drop soup. Happy New Year, everybody. We got, I also wanted to say before we go, just a few seconds. Sorry. But before we go, submit some case ideas for us because I. Literally, I'm tired of looking through my case idea file and going, no, I don't want to do that one right now. Um, <laughs> so please submit more stuff and give us some ideas of what you want to hear. Later. Yay.